Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Tristan. I'm so happy to welcome you guys to the Novus Podcast. This is a podcast that's going to change your life. I need you guys to watch all the way to the end. But first, hit that subscribe button, share this with a friend, like, and comment. Let's get into this. Hello, everybody, and welcome to tonight's podcast. My name is Hannah Hawkman, and I'm co-founder of Novus Church, and I'm so excited to be your host tonight. I have a really special guest for you. He just became I'm the full-time pastor at the church that I grew up in. I've heard him speak, and he's truly a man of God. Um, he just he just emulates God's image, and he speaks from his heart. He cares about people, and I'm so excited to have him on here tonight. So, Scott, go ahead and introduce yourself. Thanks, Hannah, and thanks for all that you and Tristan do uh, through Novus Church. Um, it's really encouraging to see young people that are ministering through this medium. Um, to reach a new generation. So thank you all for that. Like she said, my name is Scott Packett. I've been a pastor for 15 years, uh, but recently uh, got to fill in the footsteps of Hannah's previous pastor, who was also a mentor of mine. Um, and so he meant a lot to me and Hannah's old church means a lot to me now. And so I'm just, it's a privilege to be here with you, Hannah. Okay, so what I'd like to talk to you guys about, first, I want to open up with a word of prayer, if I could. Um, Father God, thank you so much for this opportunity. First of all, I just want to thank you for who you are. You are such a good and great God and Father. We thank you for what you've done for us in Christ, and we thank you for your spirit that is present with us in this moment, filling us with power. And, um, and Lord, I pray that you would use this time to glorify yourself and encourage others. Lord, I thank you for, for Hannah and Tristan from Novus Church. Lord, I pray that you would just bless their ministry, continue to um, use them and lead them in the, in the path that you would have them. And Father, I just pray that tonight we bring you honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So tonight, I've entitled this Hope for Sinners and Sufferers. Um, over the past few years, it's become more aware to me um, and to, I guess, everybody listening that we are living in what seems to be a helpless time, a hopeless time for, um, it only takes a quick look at Facebook, Twitter, or quick look at the news or your favorite podcast to find out that there, there's really a lot bad going on in the world. Um, seems like um, everywhere you turn, there's just bad news everywhere. And even in the church, and which is which saddens my heart, but it's the reality that we live in right now. And so this is especially true of people between the ages of 16 and 45. Uh, I see a lot of depression on the rise within that group. I know a couple of years ago, um, I was hit with some really dark times myself with uh, in the depths of depression. And I'll talk about that more in a little bit, but depression's on the rise. Uh, deconstruction from the faith, specifically in my generation and Hannah's generation, um, there seems to be more and more people coming out saying that um, not only questioning their faith, but because of abuse in the church, because of the bad witness of other Christians, it just seems like a lot of people are not just rethinking their faith, but even walking away in deconversion. And uh, there's a lot of division, <laughs> whether it's political or families or churches, there just seems to be choose a side and hate the other side. Um, and with all this bad news and division, it seems like suicide is really on the rise, especially I've had pastor friends who have, have um, died to suicide. 
I've heard of young people feeling like they're without hope. Even my own son and myself as well have had those thoughts in the past couple of years. And it just seems like people are desperate for some good news. People are desperate for hope. And it seems like a lot of what the world has to offer just continues to press us into hopelessness. And even the church's uh, approach to just being positive and self-help, none of it seems to last very long. And so the question I want us to deal with here today is, is there any hope for our weary souls in this hopeless and fallen world? Um, so for us to answer this important question, I think we need to deal with a couple realities, two things that are true of all of us. And it's going to sound like I'm offering you bad news at first, but please hang in there with me because you don't get to see the beauty of the night sky if there was no dark background. So I want to paint the dark and then I want to bring the light. So the first reality that we all face is that we are all sinners. I know that in the world, our culture, and even in the church culture, it's really not cool <laughs> to, to, to set, talk about sin. Um, but Romans 3.23 tells us that we, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, meaning we've fallen short of his standard of goodness and holiness. Um, later in Romans 6.23, we're told that what we have earned, what we deserve uh, for that sinfulness is death or separation from God for all eternity, separation from his goodness and his holiness, spiritual death. Um, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2 that apart from God doing something on our behalf, because we can't, we're hopeless. We really are hopeless apart from God doing something on our behalf. Um, basically, we, we, won't, we can't rescue ourselves from sin or the penalty of sin, the power of sin. We can try really hard. We can try our best to be good enough to earn God's favor. But at the end of the day, we all fall short of that. And therefore, we live like zombies. Uh, there was a movie out a few years back, and Hannah may know this one. Um, it was kind of a chick flick, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was about these zombies. And um, the, the, the world was arming up to go kill these zombies. and um, but one of the general's daughter figured out that what they needed was not to be killed or destroyed, but they needed to be loved in order to get life. And so I just really have, I found that in a crazy chick flick that it was probably something that I probably shouldn't have watched, but it was so, so gospel centered to me because it was like, that's exactly where we were. We were walking around, wandering around like zombies with the appearance of life on the outside, but dead in our sin on the inside. So Paul teaches that what we have done is exchange the worship of our creator God for the worship of his creation. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, in our world today, we worship materialism. We worship uh, morality. We worship immorality. We worship all these things looking for, if I could just get this job, if I could just get this amount of money in my bank account, if I could just have this many kids, or if I could just find the perfect guy or the perfect girl, then somehow... I would feel complete. And that's what it means to worship the creator because creation, that's what it means to worship creation. Because when we worship creation, it leaves us feeling empty at the end of the day. Um, even the most successful person, I've heard interviews with Michael Jordan and others, Elon Musk, I've read his uh, biography. And at the end of the day, the reason they keep striving for more is not just their ambition, but because there's they have never found satisfaction. Um, uh, not even contentment. And so um, that's because 
we're empty. <laughs> we're dead. We're dead inside. So as Christians, we know that coming to the knowledge of this sinfulness, this reality, is the first step to following Christ in faith. Uh, it's kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, you cannot be on the path to recovery unless you first admit that you have a problem. Um, so that's the bad news. We're all sinners. And uh, but the good news is, is that like the girl in the movie, God in Christ has done something for us to bring us from zombie land death to to life, um, to rescue us from the power and penalty of sin. Uh, Jesus, just kind of give you the story if you don't know it. I mean, Jesus was in God's kingdom in heaven sitting at his right hand, enjoying community with the Trinity, overseeing the creation. He had everything he could possibly want and desire. He was completely satisfied. And yet he looked down into his creation and he saw that he just saw a bunch of zombies walking around dead and without hope and in, in danger of spending eternity under the wrath of his father. And so the Trinity devised the plan beforehand, before the creation, that Jesus would come. He would come into our, our dark reality, our broken reality, our deadness, and he would take upon himself our flesh. And he would walk in perfect obedience to the law of God where we fell short. He never fell short. He was wrongly accused. If, I mean, think about it. We get offended. I read a quote today. It's like when, I, when I'm falsely, um, what was that? When I'm falsely accused, I'm undeservedly loved. <laughs> I need to remember that, right? He walked in perfect obedience to God. He was wrongly accused. He was beaten. He was crucified on the cross. And on that cross, he took upon himself not just the lashes, not just the spit of other people, not just the birds. He took upon himself our sin. He was innocent, but he became guilty in our place. And as a result, the judgment that was meant for us, he took upon himself so that in his victorious resurrection, he could offer us freedom from our three biggest enemies. Now, a lot of Christians think their enemies is the government or um, the culture or whatever. The greatest, three greatest enemies we face, sinner, all of us sinners, is sin, Satan, and death, spiritual death. And if, and if we don't trust that Christ's work on our behalf is enough then we're we are people without hope but he has accomplished everything needed for us to receive his gift of grace his gift of rescue on our behalf it's just like in the movie when that girl kisses the guy the zombie and he all of a sudden he he the zombiness comes goes away and he comes to life and they've come to realize that that's how life happens is it's through love and Jesus is the best demonstration of love on our behalf. So now he invites us sinners to come to him, to come to him and find eternal rest, to find an identity in him, not in the things of this world, but in him. And um, if we follow him in faith, trust that his finished work is enough, we can't do anything to earn it, then he, we're promised eternal life, salvation in Christ, and a right relationship with God the Father. To those who believe, we are called to die to ourselves daily, waging war against our own sinful flesh in order to follow Christ in obedience. We're not obeying to try to earn his favor. There's nothing we can do to earn anything from God. 
in Christ, we completely have his, God's favor. In Christ, we are completely loved. In Christ, we are completely and eternally accepted. And he approves of us, not because of anything we've done, but because of everything Christ has done for us. So this daily fight against sin and this daily fight for faith, because we forget this, we, we, we forget that we're eternally accepted and approved and loved. So we feel like we have to earn something, do something to earn God's favor. And so that daily fight of killing the flesh and trusting the finished work of Christ is part of our suffering, which moves us to the fact that we are all sufferers. Now, a lot of people in the church today don't really have a theology for suffering because they've bought into a lie that God promises us no suffering. It's like God doesn't want us to go through difficult times. But if you have ever talked to anybody who's ever been through some difficult times, they will tell you that as they learn to trust Christ more during that time, their character and their faith was, was built. Um, if God gives us everything we want, we're just going to be spoiled brats, <laughs> to be honest. We're never going to be growing into the image of Christ. Because we live in a fallen world, a world in which Paul says in Romans 8, the creation is yearning like a woman giving birth to a child. Now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proud father, too, and I was in the room when my wife gave birth to our, both of our sons, and that's not a beautiful picture. It is the finished product is, but the pain that my wife went through giving birth to those two boys was immense. And so what Paul ta talks, talks about in Romans 8 is that the whole creation, it's storming here right now as we're videoing this, and I just, when, when our boys talk to me about storms, I just say that's creation yearning. That's creation groaning in the pains of childbirth, longing for the day that Christ returns to make all things new. As a result of living in a fallen world, sickness is, is a reality. Disappointment is a reality. Abuse, injustice, persecution, um, and death are all a reality. We cannot avoid it, um, and God will use it. Suffering is real and it's unavoidable. Um, and God has not promised to keep us safe from suffering. He's not promised. Um, when I was growing up, there was this prayer that all the older people would pray is a prayer of a hedge of protection around, around us. And, and, and while they're, they were really good in doing that, they really needed to do something else and say, hey, you will suffer. <laughs> You're going to be disappointed. You're going to lose. You're going to fail. And I never grew up being taught that i was taught to be afraid of that to do everything in my power to avoid that and if i ever experienced suffering then it meant that i didn't have enough faith and if i prayed hard enough for the suffering to go away and it wasn't going away i was taught i wasn't having enough faith and that's not what the bible teaches god has promised to be with his children that he will always be with us and that he will work all things out for our good. The bad thing is he gets to determine what good means, not me. And sometimes good looks like my 2020. <laughs> uh, at the time, it did not feel good. It felt really bad. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But whatever suffering you face, it doesn't feel good. It's meant to be painful. It's meant to hurt. It's actually meant to point you to hoping in the future glory of Christ that is our ultimate hope um therefore in christ we have a future hope 
but as Tim Challies has said, the road to glory is paved with much sorrow and much suffering. So if I were to ask you um, tonight or today, whenever you're watching this, um, what is Jesus's heart towards sinners and sufferers? Meaning, what is his disposition towards us? And what I'm giving an example, I kind of did this earlier, but you know, when I was growing up, I thought I had to work really hard to earn God's grace and favor. I thought his disposition for me was him wringing his hands, hoping that I get, get it right. And if not, he's going to unleash judgment on me, right? That I was somehow having to pull myself up by my bootstraps and work really hard. Or if I was in suffering, I was to try to muster up enough faith to, to, to overcome and be victorious in the suffering. And but what we see in scripture is not that. And that's okay because what we see in scripture is much more beautiful than that. So if you have your Bible or an app, um, I want you to look at Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And as you look there, I'll tell you a little bit about my story. So in 2020, um, I became aware, well, one night at three o'clock in the morning, this was before COVID uh, early in the year, I started waking up at 3, 3.30 in the morning every night with a panic attack for no reason um, whatsoever. And um, it just kept getting worse and worse. And then throughout the day, especially when COVID did hit and we had to stay in, um, I began just having them all the time out of nowhere. It wasn't circumstantial. There was nothing bad going on in my life. Um, but when I, it was like Job, when I would call my friends who were Christians, and, and ask them, you know, to pray for me, they would automatically, one of them specifically would say, you know, what did you do wrong? Like, what are you not repenting of? Like, you know, there's got to be something that you're not thinking of. And I just told them, I said, you know, I'm a reformed person, which in theology, which means I believe that once God saves me, I'm saved forever. And, and uh, I said, I was praying every night that he would save me over and over and over again, because <laughs> I just felt like death. Um, and, and many of y'all might might face that same type of of um, anxiety and, and panic. And but for me, it was just like out of nowhere. I've always been an anxious person, nervous person, but it became so heightened that uh, around May, um, my wife and I decided it was time for us to get away for a couple of weeks and just me relax. Um, but 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 fun, but kind of funny the anxiety didn't go away. <laughs> and so, but what I, what I found is a friend of mine told me to read a book um, when I went away and I read it three times over two weeks period. And I will tell you, it saved Jesus through this saved my life. And I'm not meaning that by salvation. I mean, I was at a dark place where I was thinking things I'd never thought before, never thought I would think. And um, the book is called uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland, and I would encourage anybody who is suffering, well, anybody really who, who, who's living in that reality of suffering or who has been so brainwashed by religion that you think you have to work and be good in order to earn something from God. Um, so the book through this text really changed my life, and I just want to share that with you and invite you to the same uh, rest, if you will, the same hope that I've found. So Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says this, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Get this, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Some translations even say, for your weary souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The first thing we see here, and this is just mind-blowing to me, Jesus, his disposition towards sinners and sufferers, he's gentle in heart. This means, this goes against what my friends were telling me, he's not trigger happy. He's not waiting, looking for ways to harshly correct me, correct us when we sin or sharply tell us just to have more faith when we're, when we're suffering. Excuse me. He tells us, man, that's not my disposition. That's not my heart. My heart's, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world. I came into it to save it. Right. And, and so for me in those dark nights of the soul, this was like just music to my ears. I mean, it was beautiful because I knew that the suffering wasn't coming from Christ to dis, to, 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 to punish me but it was to draw me into his gentleness, to know that I can find refuge in his gentleness. He's gonna deal with me in a gentle way. The second thing he says is I'm lowly in heart. In heart. What does that mean? We don't use that kind of word, lowly. Well, it means he's humble, meaning that he's approachable. Think about this. How many times have you been told or had this thought that I can't go to church because I'm so sinful? Or I got to clean up myself before I go. <coughs> that's, that's, uh, yeah, you know the words. I mean, it's just not true. Now, some preachers preach that way, but it's, it's, it's lies straight from hell. Because Jesus says, come to me. Don't clean up yourself from your sin. And don't try to get rid of your suffering. Come to me as a sinner. Come to me as a sufferer. And I will deal with you gently. And I am so much more approachable than you think I am. Like, you know, I've been around pastors, even as a pastor, that I feel like I can't even approach. Um, I grew up with a dad that was unapproachable. But this was this is this is music to my ears because Jesus is approachable. The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter four that to come into the presence of God with confidence, not with fear not with trembling, not with worry, not anxiety, not trepidation, but to come in with confidence, not because I'm worthy, but because Christ is worthy and he's covering me. So now I'm, I'm, I'm invited into the presence of God with confidence, knowing that he's going to give me the grace and mercy that I need in my time of need. So Jesus is approachable. Finally, and this is where I want to just turn it around to you guys is Jesus invites all of us sinners and sufferers to come to him, to come to him and find rest. Again, he's not coming. He said, don't, he didn't say, come to me. I'm going to beat you up a little bit. I'm going to spank you. <clears throat> I'm going to ground you. I'm going to put you through the ringer. No, he says, come to me, hand me your burdens, whether it's sin or pain, abuse, suffering, Give give that to me, and I'm going to put my yoke on you, my burden on you. And my burden is light and easy because I've already carried it to the cross. I've already overcome your greatest enemies. My burden is light because I carry it with you and for you. And, and so in your time of need, 
just realize, man, like Jesus is not distant. Yeah, you can't see him, but I'm here to tell you as someone who's lived that dark night, night of the soul and then who also ran from religion and lived in the world and had no desire to be a Christian, that when I read this, it just gave me peace. Now, did I stop having panic attacks? No. I still am anxious. This makes me nervous doing this. But the reality is, is that whenever I feel anxious, whenever I feel that panic coming on, whenever I do sin, rather than wallowing in self-pity or in fear, I listen to this invitation and I come to him. I come to him broken. I come to him undone and give it to him. And he gives me rest. So the hope for every sinner and sufferer is found only, I just want you to get this, found only in Jesus Christ, our gentle and approachable Savior. Now, if you're one of those who's going through because you had bad church experience or parents that were overbearing or legalistic, and you're going through that time of deconstruction where you're questioning everything, I would just encourage you, you don't have to have all the right answers right now. Um, this is coming from somebody who studies theology every day. I love theology. I love having the right answers. But the reality is God doesn't need you to have it all together before he's able to use you and change you. And so if you're going through that process, find somebody who is further along in the process and and ask them to help walk alongside of you. And again, I mean, I don't know, Hannah could put you in contact with me because I've been there. Um, that's just something that I would encourage you to do. But the main thing is Jesus is greater than your sin and he's greater than your biggest fear. And he's greater than even your doubts about him. And he's not offended by your doubts. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. And that's his invitation to us all. I, I want to close before we get to Q&A um, with one of my favorite Christmas songs. It's, uh, or it's written recently uh, by Sovereign Grace Music. Um, but I think it's, it's taken the old, O come all you faithful, and applying it to Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. And I just want to read that to you as the invitation to come to Christ, whether you're lost without any, without a shepherd, <laughs> if you're lost and don't know anything about Jesus, the invitation is to come. And if you're suffering as a Christian right now, um, the invitation is the same. Come, put your faith in him, lay it down at his feet, and he'll put his yoke and burden upon you, which is light and easy, and he'll give you rest. It goes like this. Oh, come, all you unfaithful. Come, weak and unstable. Come, know you are not alone. Oh, come, barren and waiting ones. Weary of praying, come, see what your God has done. Oh, come, bitter and broken. Come with fears unspoken. Come, taste of his perfect love. Oh, come, guilty and hiding ones. There is no need to run. See what your God has done. Christ is born. Christ is born. Christ is born for you. He's the lamb who was given, slain for our, our pardon. His promise is peace for, for all those who believe. So come, though you have nothing, come. He is the offering. Come, see what your God 
has done. This is God's word for us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful, beautiful word. We thank you that you are approachable. We thank you that you invite us through Christ to enter into your presence with confidence, knowing that you will meet every need according to your good and perfect will. You'll give us the grace and mercy that we need. Thank you that we have confidence in this because you, you did not even withhold your, your own son, but you gave him up for us so that we can experience the community that you that the Godhead experiences. We've been invited to the table. We've been invited into your presence to enjoy you forever. So God, I pray if there's someone listening to this who is dead in their sins, but they've been turned off by religion, help them to see the beauty of Christ and hear his gentle voice and call them to him in their hearing to faith and repentance. And God, I pray for the Christian out there that's listening, who's suffering, who's been through much pain and sorrow. I pray that they would come and experience the approachability and the gentle touch and rest of Christ. Lord, thank you for this time. And again, I just pray for Nova's church that you continue to bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Scott, that was amazing. What a word you gave us today. I loved that. Um, that movie you talked about in the beginning, I thought of it and I wrote it down. I was like, I need to bring that up. It's called, I think it's called Warm Bodies, right? It is. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it's so cute. I love that. And I love that you immediately saw that as an analogy yeah. to Christ and, and what he's done for us. He just brings us back to life. My um, wife just called me a weirdo. <laughs> she called you <laughs> I mean, that's thinking right there you're like hey you know like this is relatable you know like this Absolutely. is everyday life you know I love yeah. that um that was so good I wrote a couple of other things down that I wanted um to ask you yeah. um, so just kind of going back to what you were talking about um a lot of like you said preaching today like doesn't cover suffering it doesn't cover what what we do when things go wrong because all too often you know messages are encouraging and they yeah. give us like keys if you will to like help us get through life but a yeah. lot of times it's it's more of kind of like you said like give all this money and you'll be blessed or like do all these good things for other people and you'll be blessed yeah. and you do these things and you know when you're you may be blessed but then something terrible happens you're like what did I do wrong Kind of like yeah. exactly what you said, how you brought up Job and how you said your friend kind of said something similar to you during yeah. that time that you were having panic attacks. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think you just really hit home with that message today that you, oh, you. you really address things that should be addressed more often. So, well, thank you. so yeah, you're welcome. Well, it's a pretty discouraging life. I mean, if you don't, if, yeah, I mean, we should serve others and we should give money and, and all those things, but the real blessing is knowing that in christ you have everything you need i mean that that is he is the blessing I, I'm, I'm convinced that so many people in church today would be happy to get to heaven one day and christ not be there as long as they get their mansion and get to see their grandpa so uh, i just i mean jesus is the gift that's right and, that's right and uh just, we should find encouragement there yeah yeah absolutely yeah that's good that's really good um so suffering, suffering really is everywhere we go. And I know a lot of people really question the fact that, well, 
you know, if God knew what was going to happen throughout the course of the world, like why would he create people in the first place? Um, so what do you, what do you have to say about that? If you were to ask that question. You're not holding back, are you? that's right we're going we're going all in we're going yeah absolutely because i know it's a very popular question that i know a lot of christians have difficulty answering because it is a hard question it is yeah and it's you know one of the worst i've been in 15 in 15 years of ministry i've been to more funerals than i have baby dedications or weddings Mm -hmm. and i hate to get behind the traditional pastors that walk in front of me and tell the people who are mourning hey this is god's will um, yes, God has promised to make everything work out for our good. We don't know what that ultimate good is, except for what he's told us, which is that we will be sanctified <clears throat> and we're being recreated in the image of Christ. But in the midst of suffering, it sucks. It's painful. It's meant to be painful. And what I tell people is, I'm so sorry that you're in so much pain, um, but but I love you. And I'm here for you anytime because that's the thing is like, there's really not a good answer for a human answer for why we suffer. Now, what we're told is that God is working all things out for his glory. And, and I've seen this happen in my life. Well, just like tonight. I mean, when I was going through every night having a panic attack that, yeah, I was asking that same question. Like, God, why, why in the world? Why will you let me do this? I mean, I'm serving you. I'm trying to be a good husband, a good father. So I'm asking all those questions. But reality is what I've learned is God's not so much concerned with our conditions, our circumstances, as he is about building us in character and changing us through those situations. That's a hard lesson to learn. Um, That's not something you can teach from a stage. That's something that you prepare people for, but they really have to learn it in the fire. But yeah. yeah, so God, I mean, well, God planned beforehand to send his son to die too. So that gives me some comfort in my suffering is that, yeah, he knew this was going to happen, but before he, before it happened, he had a plan to, to, to rescue me for eternity through his son. So, so I don't understand all the ins and outs of that. I, I can, I can give you theological answers, but they're not very comforting. <laughs> the best thing I can say is, is that you know, the biggest thing we need to realize is that God's plan began before he created us and it's being fulfilled. And one day it'll come to completion at Christ's return and there'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more, no more weeping, uh, no more sin, no more death. And that's our hope. So if he's, as we look throughout human history and we see, we've seen his faithfulness through all the suffering, especially the suffering of Christ, I think I, instead of asking why we just we we need to start asking okay what are what are you wanting to do in me and through me as i face this trusting your perfect plan i know that's not a satisfactory answer but that's what i've had to learn to do and still am learning to do is just trust that okay he's fulfilled every promise thus far <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand what in the world he's doing, um, but I do know what he's promised. So if he's been faithful for six thousand years, why won't he be faithful till I till Christ returns? So that's, that's my only hope. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good answer. I think you answered that very well, very thoroughly, and 
Um, I've always pictured, because I don't have kids, so I don't have that connection yet with my own child, but I've always thought like if you if you wanted to have kids and you knew how much you would love them and you knew how much you wanted to bless them and give to them and just show them the world and you knew that, you know, they were going to rebel and do bad things and, and all of that, would you still want to have them? Yeah. You know, from, from a parent's pers- perspective, I'm sure it's like, yes, you love your kids. Like no matter what they do, like you still love them. Yeah. So I've always tried to picture it that way with, with God, because like he knew that some people were going to rebel and do awful things, but there's also the ones who, who love him, receive what, what he did for us and, and live for him and try to bring the others back to him. You know, that's what we're called to do. So I think it's a matter of love as well. Like he knew how much he, he loved us. So he wanted to give us the opportunity to come to know him, to live for him, to tell other people about how good he is so that's right and I think uh, I really like that analogy you know and I'll add on to it as a father of some teenagers now um sometimes what I've noticed is I was a helicopter parent forever where I just tried to put like a bubble around my kids so that they couldn't fail they couldn't get hurt and what I realized was I was not preparing them for real life because when they leave home they're going to face disappointment hurt shame all that. And so what we, what Alyssa and I, my wife have started to let them do more often is to fail. And the most loving thing we can do is to let them fail. But here's the caveat. They're failing while we're still there with them. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not sending them off to college in bubble wrap and letting them face this hard world. I'm allowing them to fail and ask questions and mess up because right now I am with them and I can help them and teach them and correct them. And that's kind of how I view God is some, some of the best things he can do for us is to let us fall on our face, to, to let us go through some pain, because as you go through pain and as you mess up, you know, this, I mean, you were a teenager once you're probably a perfect teenager, but I was not, (laughs) (laughs) I was not, I was rebellious. Um, but I learned so much, but I didn't, I didn't know I learned it until I was in my thirties. Yeah. So, so yeah, I like, I like that analogy. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Um, Another thing I know that the Bible also says that in our weaknesses, it gives God's strength and his light to shine through because in those Mm -hmm. moments we realize where we fall short and only, only God can fill those moments. Only God can help us through those things. Yeah. So our weakness telling us something, you know. Well, I think that he he really cares about us showing this dark and broken world his glory. And, yeah. and I grew up playing basketball with this guy, and his mom had brain cancer, and she was homebound, and she could have sat there and just waited till she died, but instead she knew we had about probably fifty women in the church that we were going to. And so every month, every, every day, she would send a letter of encouragement mm-hmm. to each of those women. So she, each, each day was another woman. And I know your mom likes to send letters. So yes. this is kind of like, but, but this lady, this, I mean, but, but, you know, that really impacted my mom because now my mom is homebound mm-hmm. with, a, with a debilitating disease. And now she doesn't feel like she's worthless because she can't do anything. 
she does the same thing that was done for her to encourage other women. And so again, I think that's God's strength, his glory um, showing through our weakness. And it, that's the best, honestly, that's one of the best witnesses we can give. Yeah. 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 I love that she's handling that, that situation so well, because you could definitely take that one of two ways, you know, you could make use of what you have, you know, what you're able to do, or you could just sit around and doom and gloom and be sad, you know, which is so easy to do when, you know, when you're in a debilitating state. Yeah. Uh, So I love that she's just encouraging others. And that one person like inspired her, you know, and she remembered to be able to do the same. That was 30 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) That really made an impact on her. You're not really stuck along. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Um, So let me see what else I wrote down for you. Um, Yeah, you were talking about how Jesus is uh, gentle and humble in heart, how his his burden is light and he loves us and he wants to help us. And how you said, um, like some people will say, oh, I'll be set on fire if I walk in the building or, you know, (laughs) like that. Yeah. Um, and and it's so sad I think that that people think that way because I feel yeah. like us as, as as the body of Christ we need to represent Christ well enough to know that they're loved where they're at even if they're you know like living in sin if they're messed up if they've gone through trauma like no matter what it is like God is right there with you through it all That's through right. everything That's right. um, so I think I think just the body of Christ in general all Christians just need to to use like their voice, you know, through social media, through their work, wherever it is, just to let them know, like, Hey, God is with you. Even if you don't know it, like he's there and he loves you. It doesn't matter your past, what you're doing right now. Like he's your father and he wants to help you Mm. for whatever situation that you're in. That's right. I like that. You said that. That was good. Thanks. That was good. Let me see what else I got for you. Oh yeah. Jesus didn't have to come and save us. Kind of go back to that topic of love. Like, there were many yeah. opportunities where like before he even came to earth, he could have been like, no, I'm good. I don't want to go yeah. through that. I know what that's going to look like. Yeah. But no, he, and he's not expecting us to do anything that he didn't do or go through himself because he that's experienced right. every temptation. He yeah. experienced like a humiliating death, you know, a humiliating, mm-hmm. just beating and um, just humiliation from like crowds in general. Um, yeah probably cussing at him spitting at him like ripping his beard out and he just took it you know because he loves us so much and and when you think about it i know there's several movies out that really like depict that i think like the passion of the christ as well i feel like for me i'm a very visual person so so when i see things like that i'm like oh my gosh like it becomes more real even though i already believe it you're like you have a visual of it now you're like oh my gosh like you see like the side stories and things that happen in between yeah everything to lead up to that point so absolutely it just shows the love of god so much like even though there are terrible things that happen you just have to to remember like he came into it to save us from it to get us out of it to give us hope even if we die like we don't just die and don't have a hope like we still have life ahead of us even after so i think about how arrogant it is of us to think that we should not have to suffer but we we but we joyfully receive his suffering for us yeah you know what i mean yeah. like it, it just seems pretty 
and, and I'm, I'm just one of those people that just says what I think. So yeah, go um, ahead. <laughs> you, could, you could probably say that it better, but, but for me, it's just when I'm speaking to myself, when I'm complaining about something, I just have to say, Scott, you're being arrogant. I mean, here you are just freely receiving God's grace because Christ suffered and you don't seem to be bothered by that. You seem to be bothered by your discomfort while you're opening your hand, receiving comfort from him. And it's just, Oof. for me, I'm a visual person too. And that's, yeah. just, I have to, I have to preach to myself daily because I just can't, it don't just come to me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Awesome. And another thing, God doesn't have to bless us, but he no. does, you know, because there, like, there's so many places where God says like, I want to prosper you. You know, I'm giving yeah. you hope in the future. I have all these things, seek the kingdom first and all these other things will be added to you. There are so yeah. many places where he's like, I'm going to bless you. I just yeah. want a relationship with you, you know? Right. So I think that gets looked over a lot too, is just receiving God for who he is and everything else. Yeah. It's just a bonus. You know, yeah. it's just things that he wants to do for us, things he wants to give us, experiences he wants us to have. Yeah. He's just, he's just a loving God. He's, he's the best. He is. Yeah. Well, think about this too, is like, how well does that American message translate in Afghanistan where people are getting persecuted for their faith? Yeah. It, it doesn't translate. So right. if God's message is for everybody and not just Americans, we have to really think if we've actually really understood it correctly. That's right. Because yeah. the message is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so it means it translates. Well, I mean, it was born and written in the middle of the Middle East. So, I mean, that's where it came from. Right. <laughs> so, right. yeah. Anyway, sorry, I can get all rabbit trails. No, that's good. That's good. I like that. Um, I really liked what we've talked about tonight. I do want to ask you, you know, some questions about you. Um, you said okay. you've been a pastor for several years. So what made you want to become a pastor? I didn't. I did not want to be a pastor, nice. nor did I want to be a Christian. Hmm. So uh, I grew up in a very fundamental independent Baptist, legalistic, I call it a cult. Um, and basically it was just, you know, we got disciplined to read the Bible. I mean, we had to read the Bible for discipline. Um, women, the women were miserable. The men were arrogant and the pastor was God. And so I spent 18 years in that environment. Wow. And then when I graduated high school, I went to their school. I flipped off the church and said, I'll never be back. Hmm. And uh, told my dad, I said, if God's like that, if God, if, if, if God makes men arrogant, women, nothing, and everybody that's everybody judging everybody out there, mm -hmm. um, I don't want any part of that because I know the reality of my own heart and I'm sinful, but nobody wants to admit it. And so I just didn't want to live a lie anymore. So I just, I mean, I became a rebel. And I went into the military uh, at 21, went to the Air Force and uh, had no desire. My mom and dad would call me, you know, weekly asking me to go to church, you know, giving me guilt trips for not going to church. I would call them drunk on Friday night and Saturday night, and then I would get it more. <laughs> and so about a year of living that way, my mom finally I just finally told my mom, I said, you know, I appreciate your prayers, but I don't need your sermons. Just love me, pray for me, and maybe God will work something out. But I still did not have any desire for it. So that after that, I got married, 
went to my first uh, base and about six months in, um, in my office, this guy got transferred in from South Carolina and sat right across from me. Now I was a, a jock growing up. Um, he was, a, was a complete nerd. So he and I had nothing in common. Um, but one thing that we had in common is we both liked to go to lunch. And so he would take me to lunch three times a week and he would drive and he would pay for it. And, and I was like, that's nice. <laughs> I don't have to pay for my lunch. And so, but he was always very kind to me. I would cuss him out when he was talked about Jesus and all this stuff. He was going to seminary to be a pastor and he and I, his name is Matt. And uh, over a year period, he did this every week. I'm telling you, besides the time where I was deployed, he <laughs> was, he would do this every week. And then he started inviting me to go to, he knew I liked to drink. And so we would, he'd invite me to the bars. He'd play pool. And the first time I went with him, I'm sorry, it's a long story, but it'll get there. So the first time, the first time I went with him, he walked in and he bought everybody at the pool table that he was, he was in a tournament. He bought them all a beer and bought me one. I said, you can't do that. You're in seminary going to be a pastor. And he said, well, Jesus walked into a wedding party where everybody was already drunk and turned water to wine. He said, so what's your argument? And I just, I was just dumbfounded because I never saw anybody act like that. He wasn't getting anybody drunk. He just bought everybody around a beer. Yeah. So anyway, and then I saw all these like biker dudes, these strong guys. And again, Matt was wearing Doc Martin white socks, khaki shorts with a polo shirt tucked in. Nice. This was the visual. Okay. <laughs> okay. I like uh, that. So, but all these men, what I started seeing, he went there every Tuesday and Thursday night to play in these tournaments. And what I started seeing is these men were coming to him and he was asking them about their daughters, uh, about their, about, about their marriages and, you know, they were, he was just loving on them, man. It was just really all it was. And these, I saw these grown men who would probably kick anybody else's butt. He, he, they were breaking down, crying, asking him to pray for their kids. And it was just, so after that night, I went home and I told my wife, I said, you know, my family and my home church growing up have been trying to force Jesus down my throat. I had never seen him before tonight wow. because what I saw in that was what I read in the gospels and so anyway long story short i kind of make that kind of i don't have a time and date where i became a christian i think in that moment is where god brought me to life yeah if you will yeah, because good. then from then on i just started being becoming more interested in what he was saying up until that point i just wanted to argue with him and cuss at him and <laughs> make him feel stupid um but then i just became more interested because i'm like dude this guy actually believes and tries to live out what he's talking about. And he doesn't have all these rules preventing him from having fun. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, he actually is happy, you know? Mm -hmm. And I never saw that before. He was very humble. Mm -hmm. And um, and he put up with, I mean, I just gave him a really hard time for a year. So then we got out of the military. Me and Matt still talk to this day. That was in 2004. So Matt and I have still been talking for 18 years. We haven't seen each other in probably 10 Um He's no longer a pastor. This is where it gets interesting. He's no longer a pastor, but now I am. No, <laughs> so the role is reversed. And so what happened was, is when I got out of active duty, I, I went into the guard and drove to Nashville once a month for guard duty on the weekends. And I was driving over Crossville Mountain and uh, my wife had left this Christian CD in the car. 
and I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was just this song that came on. It's called, it says, Come Home. And I just started crying. It was 4.30 in the morning on the side of Crossville Mountain. I just pulled over right there past Grassy Cove, and I just said, hey, God, you know, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but I, I do know I want to be Matt to somebody, and I want to teach other people how to be Matt to other people. And so I went and told a friend of mine who was associate pastor at a church. He then started giving me books every week to read. And over a 12 month period, I read over 125 books wow. and, and he just discipled me and he gave me an opportunity to teach a college and career kind of Sunday school class for six months. And then they sent me out to do some speaking engagements. And then I became a pastor in 2009, no, 2008. And, uh, been doing it ever since so nice. but I, I i didn't have any this is why i believe in god's sovereignty because i did not want god and i did not want church and i had no dreams of being a pastor wow um, he found me in a bar and he found me on the side of a mountain in the rain so, nice. Um, nice well thank you for are. sharing that that's amazing yeah it's kind of like i mentioned before like the way christians represent christ is so important because like for you you were to the point where I'm done. Like, I don't oh, want anything to yeah. do with Jesus, with church. Like, I don't want none of that. But right. then you had somebody just disciple to you, you yeah. know, take you out every single day, just be kind to you, gracious to you. And, and people who, who don't go to church, like they don't read their Bible. Like they read us, they read Christians. Yeah. They pay attention. You know, people pay attention to how that you live your life. So, um, just like to be, to be a mat to everyone, you know, yeah. to be kind, to, yeah. to show others what the love of Christ looks like. That That's amazing. I'm glad. And what, the, what, that person and what I want to tell somebody is this. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't Matt's perfection that I was looking at. I saw all of his mess ups. Um, and he would cuss every once in a while and I'd give him a hard time for it because I still had that legalism in my back in my head. But here's the deal is like, the world's not expecting us to be perfect. They're just tired of us pretending like we're perfect and then falling. Yeah. And so yeah. If, if we just come out and let everybody know we're not perfect, that we're in process, mm -hmm. just like they, they are. And then it just makes the fall a lot softer when we do mess up because yeah. we, we set people's expectations. Our trust is in Jesus, not in men. Mm -hmm. And I think too long the church has taught people to pretend like they're perfect until they become perfect. And then that's why there's so much hypocrisy. And yeah. so I just want to put that out there is like the world's not looking for Christians to be perfect. They're just looking for us to be honest about mm -hmm. our imperfection. Yeah, no, that's good. That's really good. Um, and what you mentioned before, I had a friend the other day tell me a very similar story to what you just said. And I didn't realize that this was common, but I guess it is since this is the second time in like a week that I've heard this, wow. that a parent used church for discipline or yeah. to read your Bible, you know, like, oh, you did this, we're going to church, you know, I'm going to take your phone away, and I'm going to take all your stuff away, and we're going to go to church, and you can have anything for a week, and you're just going to read this book, and yeah. I think that's so traumatizing, it to, is. what a what a bad way to, to parent, you know, um, yeah, it was not to say anything bad about your family, you know, no, it wasn't my parents, it was the actual Christian school that did that, oh, the school, okay, in the school, yeah, yeah that's what we did during detention, right, versus <laughs> yeah i just usually, like, from, usually from the old testament oh uh, from the old testament <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh wow 
Wow. God's mad. He's he's mad. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, but right. I just I just hate that. You know, I hate that it's used in a way that is the total opposite of what yeah. of what Christ is and who Christ is. You know, Christ Christ is forgiving. He is gracious. He is loving. And right. you know, we are disciplined by God, but not in a way that's that's like that. No. Um there's definitely a right way to go about telling people about God and about who God is. And um, like I just mentioned, I love the example of Matt, like just showing it by your actions and not yeah. by your words, because people know who yeah. you are. They know if you're a Christian or not, or not, or at least they should, you know, if you're a Christian, I feel like the, the way you act should reflect that fact about oh, absolutely. Um, And so when people know that about you and know how you live, yeah. That they may see that on you and be like, I want that, you know, I want that joy. I want yeah. um, that freedom that this person has and they'll pursue it on their own instead oh, of yeah. being like, are you a Christian? Well, why not? Like, so, you know, start like arguing or something. So yeah. I think yeah, actions I think speak a lot louder. I do too. And I think that just the fact that, you know, what, what, what did it for me was he just loved me for who I was. Mm -hmm. And he, I mean, he talked about the gospel all the time with me, but he never, I never felt like a project to him, like yeah. an evangelism project. I felt like he truly wanted to be my friend, whether or not I came to Christ or not. Yeah. And he stayed with me to this day. Check, he checks in on me all the time. He's better at it than I am. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I think that that's where the church gets wrong, too, is we look at people as projects and we need to start treating people like they're people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we do. that's good. That's really yeah. good. Um, I think I have one more question that I want to ask you before we finish it up tonight. Is it a softball? Um, huh? Is it a softball? It is. It's not a hardball this time. This one's not, not a time bomb <laughs> that I'm dropping on you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this one is just, what is some advice that you would give to someone who has been saved, but still finds themselves like repeating the same sin who like can't seem to break away from that sin. Yeah. So, um, go to Matthew 11. <laughs> Matthew 11. Um, don't live in shame. Um, so I think that, that helps us with that. He's gentle and lowly. He's approachable. And then in that, then instead, well, it depends on what the sin is, but I mean, I think, we're all going to struggle with sin and we all have that one or two things that we really struggle with. And Paul did ask Jesus, ask God what three times to remove the thorn and he didn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's when he said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah. My grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. So I want to make a clear distinction. There's a difference between temptation and sinning. Mm -hmm. And so temptation is not sin. And if you're in Christ, you do have the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And the same powerful spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. And so what I will say is when Paul says on the, you'll never be tempted without be, being given, it's, it's been re rephrased, you know, I'll never give you more than you can handle. That's not what the Bible says. It says, mm -hmm. I'll never let, let you be tempted without giving you a way of escape. That's good. And so... So what I would encourage people to do is, number one, surround yourself with a trusted friend or friend group who's praying with you, who won't condemn you or shame you, who, where you can openly confess 
um, when I was going through 2020, I had two guys. I mean, I felt tremendous shame. Here I am a pastor and here I am a father and a husband. Here I am a guy who people come to for counseling, who I I used to run a suicide hotline and interventionist hmm. for four years in, while I was in college. And here I am having suicidal thoughts, hmm. shame, just shame, shame, shame. But luckily I had two good friends, not the ones I mentioned before, but two good friends that I could call at four o'clock in the morning and they would answer the phone and they would not make me feel guilty. They would pray with me and they would talk to me while I walked around the church actually oh. <laughs> I walked through, yeah I used to just I, I made a trail and oh. at night and so but they would but they would they they would let me call them and they wouldn't say stop it they wouldn't say they would just listen and then yeah. they would pray for me that's amazing and my wife was was able to call them if, if she was having trouble dealing with me during that time so I would say trusted friends who you can be open openly confess your temptations and when you're in the midst of that temptation that you can call when you're being faced with that temptation so that i would say know your sin know what it is know what triggers it right mm -hmm. so if i'm an alcoholic i don't need to be anywhere near a bar if if, if i'm a, if i'm a man i don't need to be around any <laughs> i don't need to go to las vegas right? <laughs> i mean just you, know, you see what i'm saying so huh? just, just just know what triggers your sins and then try to remove those, set up roadblocks, then set up a roadblock around you called your friends, and then just make war against this. And when it pops up, preach the gospel to yourself, pray, and then, like I said, have that lifeline of a friend that you can call if praying to God, reading scripture, preaching the gospel to yourself is not enough that you can call on somebody else to do it with you. And so that's what, that's what I've done with my life. It's it's very it takes a lot of uh, humility, and I'm not saying I'm humble, but I, I'd rather be humble in the moment than be humiliated later, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so if I know my sin and know what causes it, when that temptation comes, my way of escape is to call John or Todd, my my two friends, yeah. right? And yeah. then plus the prayer, plus all the other spiritual disciplines. Right. But honestly, that's what the community of faith's for. Yeah. just to really be there for each other so yeah no that's great advice yeah thank you for sharing that that was really good yeah. especially having those close friends that you can call I feel like community is so important just yeah. having those like those strong strong friends that you can just rely on and count on you know even if they don't say a word they just listen yeah. sometimes that's that's all you need so yeah so. and I think Christians are sometimes we're, we're taught to be so guarded that nobody knows us yeah. Um, yeah. And and so I think having a couple of people in your life who really know, like those two guys know everything about me. And then my wife has their cell phone and she can call them if I'm messing up in any area. So I just think, um, and we don't hang out. I mean, we, we really don't, we don't spend a lot of time together. That's just, that's the, that's a deeper friendship than let's go have fun. So yeah. find somebody yeah. like that. I would encourage somebody. Yeah, that's when you know you have good friends, when you could go like a year or two without saying anything. And when you get back together, it's like, oh, like you got all this stuff to talk about. And it's like you never left. You know, that's right. That's right. That's great. That's great. Well, Scott, thank you so much for coming thank on you. the podcast today. Um, I'm honored that you said yes to come and join. And you spoke a powerful word today. And I'm sure it's going to touch so many lives. 
And I know that it was just spoken straight from your heart, a word that God gave you. So if you will close us out in prayer, yeah. uh, that'd be great. Thank you. Father God, once again, we just want to thank you for who you are. We thank you that um, that you've made a way for us to come into your presence through the power of your spirit and the work of your son. Lord, I pray for those who are listening, um, that they would find encouragement in the gospel message, freedom in it. And Lord, I pray for those who are who are struggling with sin right now and they don't have anybody to surround them in prayer and encouragement. Lord, I pray that you would send someone their way or that they would seek out that in someone else because that is vital to our sanctification. And so God, I pray that you would just do that for their good and for your glory. Again, we pray for Novus Church. Thank you for Hannah, for her having just a country preacher come on to this podcast. Lord, I just thank you that you would use use her um, and Tristan and others and uh, to minister to thousands of young people so that they might come to know you and be discipled. Lord, we want to give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this podcast changed your life today. If it did, put in the comments. Tell us what you learned, how it helped you. Put amen in the comments. Let's just blow this up and share this with a friend. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I love you guys. See you next week.